And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the Internet now. Oh, sure. Next, you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. Welcome to the Shamrock for a final time this season atop Notre Dame Stadium after Notre Dame's 44-0. I guess we could say it's a whitewashing of Boston College, quite literally. Um, (laughs) Notre Dame closes out the regular season at home with uh, really its best performance against an off-brand opponent uh, all year. Um, first shutout since the home finale of last season against Georgia Tech, um, the second largest margin of victory in the Boston College series, and the 28th consecutive regular season win over an ACC opponent for those uh, still clamoring for Notre Dame to join a conference. Matt, um, I think you sort of kept abreast of this from a distance because it was not a uh, not a national type of game. Um, and while I do think that Notre Dame can take more out of this than just their eighth win of the season. Uh, I was curious how how you sort of process this one from a distance. Well, the, f- the first thing I, I looked up was who's on senior day next year. And it should be Pittsburgh. That's not official, but that's the only home opponent, I believe, that doesn't have a date yet. Um, and God bless them because it's uh, been 99 nothing the last two years on senior day uh, with uh, against ACC opponents. This was a little worse. Fun loss fact, Tate Hatley's. Sampson has attended both games. You know who is not? Who's Brian that? Kelly. There's <laughs> only, only one for two. Well, maybe, I'll be curious to see the locker room video that comes out of this one because last year um, Brian Kelly gave a speech that said, for some of us, this was our last time in the stadium and, and that us part really really kind of stood out in retrospect. It maybe should have been a red flag that we uh, we knew what was going yeah, on. It's, uh, I mean, it's kind of one of those things where like um, I think I wonder if today's – Post-game speech will have to do more about uh, the cultural appropriation of Boston uh, <laughs> culture. Um, based on Dropkick Georgia Murphys. Covers. Yeah, that was – I mean, if it was interesting talking to the players post-game because it was I mean, it was the first time all year that they played well against uh, a bad opponent or an average opponent. And, like, why that clicked today. I mean, one game does not make a trend, but it might, it might be the start of one. And – that was to me really one of the things Marcus Freeman has struggled most to figure out this season is how to how to sort of push the right buttons to get repeat performances like today when you don't need them. Um, you know, it's easy to get up for Clemson or it's easy to get up for BYU in Las Vegas or North Carolina. I mean, I guess you could say it's easy to get up for Syracuse if you want. Um, they were ranked at the time when they played them, but um there was no reason to get up for Boston College aside from, you know, the the standard senior day, send them out stuff that you hear everywhere every year. Um, but I think for Notre Dame to come out and, and play and just like play well, um, eight of 13 on third down, just two penalties, uh, five turnovers forced, um, you know, aside from, I, I don't know, but Salerno's muffed punt, it was just, it was a very clean performance. Um, and that, they haven't always got that in this kind of spot before. And while that, it doesn't really 
give you anything predictive for next week or the bowl game. I do think it it gives you just a, another reason to feel good if you're a Notre Dame fan about where Marcus Freeman can take the program. Definitely. I mean, they're trending in the right direction. They're peaking, if you want to call it that, at the right time. I mean, they still have the, the longest, and I wish I knew the number off the top of my head, but the longest um, active streak of November wins in a row. Um, and you got to feel good about them going into USC next week. Now, I think we'll learn plenty about USC in a couple hours here when they play UCLA. That game could go either way. And I think um, the performance or the type of USC team we see next week against Notre Dame, I think will be predicated on what exactly they're playing for. Um, If they win tonight against UCLA, they're playing for a playoff spot. If they lose tonight against UCLA, uh, yeah, I don't know that roster personally, but look, there's a lot of higher guns on that roster who are there for one year to, to do one thing. It would not, um, surprise anyone if Notre Dame came in there and took it to them next week, at least physically. I think that, that that's a matchup where there are some favorable advantages for Notre Dame, provided Caleb Williams doesn't just go off. But, you know, you look at what happened today. I mean, they scored on their first eight straight, first eight possessions to start the game. They forced turnovers on four of Boston College's first five possessions. They left no doubt. I think early on, um, not to take away from what they did in the first half, but we've seen first half performances like that before. We saw it with last UNLV, week. at least in the first quarter. We definitely saw it last week. Uh, and so in the back of my mind, it's, all right, are they going to finish? And what's finishing going to look like? And they left no doubt about it. And that has to make you feel good if you're Marcus Freeman and if you're in that locker room about the way these guys are peaking and playing right now. I mean, uh, you know, I think you asked Freeman straight up, you know, how do you get these guys to play to their standard and not to their opponent? And he said, that's what great teams do. And that's what we've got to learn and, and figure out how to do. And um, they're, 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 they took a big step in the right direction today to do that. I, again, I know it's BC. I know they're one of the worst power five teams in the country this year, but 44, nothing is 44, nothing. Um, and, and to have a complete game, um, even if they didn't get blocked punt, we got to criticize them for that now. Right. Because that's kind of, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that's kind of the standard they've set for themselves. Um, I mean, they had a turnover in yeah, special teams, but it was against them. Right. It, it's, it's all falling apart for Brian. Ben- Benjamin Mason. Morrison gets multiple Broyles again. campaign in tatters. They listen to me. I not you get five nominations. I wrote them down. I, I love the award because it's not like just check a box. Like you gotta like fill out yeah. basically a job resume to do it. And I was happy to do it on Brian Mason's behalf and happy to see um him get nominated as a, I think a semifinalist. So but no, it was, it was a great game all around for Notre Dame. I mean, able to to establish the, the tempo and, and the physicality on offense the way they were in the first half last week, but to keep that up and rush for 281 yards. Average seven point yard, four yards per rush. I think that's very, very important. I mean, you have three different running backs go for over 50 yards. Logan Diggs, again, showing us a, that, that second win and second gear that I think he has that maybe the other two don't. I mean, take out last week when he had just yeah. 31 yards. We're talking about five straight performances now with 85 yards or more, including three. 100-plus yard efforts there. So, uh, again, I, th- I think it was good to, to see that. It's encouraging to see that if you're Notre Dame. And, uh, you know, you didn't you didn't look past BC and you didn't get tripped up by BC, and, and, and nor did you start looking ahead to USC at halftime, which I think um, was important. I'm curious from your perspective, you know, on TV it went from 0 to 100 really quickly in terms of visibility. Um, yep. I, I think those environments are fun to be in. I mean, look – you know, I think Logan Diggs said, you know, we're not going to let the cold dictate how we perform. Joe Alt came out and basically said, we don't wear sleeves, um, which I, you know, in a win, I appreciate because it, it makes you sound tough and it's cool. Um, but what was it like? Was it a cool, festive? Like, was it, it was a weird senior day as far as like 
the guys are sending off. You know, there's no Manti Teo among that group, and even Michael Mayer is not a true senior. But what was it like in the building? It, uh, I thought the atmosphere was pretty good at the beginning. I, it was the weather was oppressive. Um, the wind walking to the stadium was brutal. I would not, I would not want to have attended this game. It's why <laughs> uh, my wife and son left in the middle of the second quarter. Wow. Um, and you tried giving them credit at the beginning here for, for going. Yeah, right. I mean, the- they attended the game. <laughs> they stayed for the entire Georgia Tech start to finish. But, um, yeah, it was it was really painful to be outside today. Um, I, but when the, when the weather got crazy, if you stuck around to the third quarter when it turned into a blizzard, you probably had fun because you were enjoying it. It was... It was funny looking out over the stadium from the press box. It's like if you just took out the student section, I've seen more better attendance spring games. <laughs> but the student section was packed. Um, I'm sure that a few students left, but it was like shoulder to shoulder. Um, not the entire student section was full, but like if you were a student there, you stayed uh, for the duration if you showed up at all. So it was it was kind of a weird environment that way. Um, you know. As the certainly as the game went on, it sort of I think people kind of called time on frostbite and had to get the heck out of there. But uh, I wish I wish that it was a little bit warmer because then I think you would have got more of like a festive jovial atmosphere. But it was the weather was painful to be outside in today, so I do not blame people at all for for exiting uh, once the the conditions really took a turn for the weird in the third quarter. I don't blame fans for for wanting to leave, especially if the game's a blowout. But I, don't know, I just, I just again, easy for me to say from the comforts of my home. But I, I just love the, the the cliche of football weather and, and how fun it looks. At least when you're winning and when you're physically dominating cool. the way Notre Dame is, like yeah. it looks cool when you're winning and the snow starts coming down. I th- feel like that's got to be pretty fun and exciting, especially for a lot of those guys who are playing their last game in that stadium. Um, I, I thought it was a cool scene. It was, you know, if you could draw up, a, you know, again, outside of uh, those who are in the stands and, and probably froze their butts off, if you could draw up a perfect senior day from start to finish, I, I think you'd be hard pressed to do better than, than what we saw from Notre Dame in all three phases today. I mean, 437 yards, 173 on Boston College. I mean, just never giving them even any semblance of hope. And look, if we did this podcast at halftime of Navy last week, we would say the same thing. But as everyone learned, um, the game's 60 minutes, not 30. And I think Notre Dame you know, took that lesson to heart this week. And I'd also say, you know, BC beating NC State probably had a little bit to do with that as far as uh, last week, as far as Notre Dame not taking them lightly. Um, again, they were favored five times this year, Notre Dame, that is, by a touchdown or more. Uh, and they failed to cover any of those five games and lost two of them outright. There were three touchdown favorites today. There was never a doubt about it. And um, I think you know that's a sign of a football team that recognizes its, its its faults in some some respects as far as getting up for for each opponent and playing to a specific team standard and not to the opponent standard um, and going out there and, and playing the way they played. And you know to, to follow up on what our friend Ryan Harris said last week, I thought. It may have been our shortest podcast of the year. It was also, I think, one of our most insightful because as a guy who's around that program as much as anyone, as a guy who's played for that program, I just thought he had such great perspective on two things. One, uh, not shine off on the players, player criticism, Mm -hmm. um, particularly when it came to the offensive line and their slow start. Um, And two, um, basically saying to Marcus Freeman, like, you can't just trust 18 and 22-year-old kids to police themselves and do the same thing every day. Like, that's – on you as a college head coach. I mean, um, 
I'm not saying he'll be a success by any stretch of the imagination, but I, I think it's a lot easier for Jeff Saturday to walk into an NFL locker room and coach him to a win over a bad team than it would be if you asked a guy off the analyst set to coach a group of college kids uh, on any given weekend to, to come in. Like I just think it's a different dynamic, and that's something when you talk about the growing pains and the adjustment period of being a first-time head coach. Um, you know, they're not all Michael Mayer. Um, it helps when you know the Michael Mayer of your team is Michael Mayer. The best player on the team is, is setting the best tone and is the hardest worker, but they're not all that way. And, and it's easy to take for granted. Hey, we're going to win these games because we're Notre Dame. And that's not been the case this year. Um, I think they're learning that the hard way, but they're, they're taking those lessons to heart and they're playing their best ball here on November 19th. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream direct TV satellite free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get direct TV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream direct TV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream direct TV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECT-TV. Terms or restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. There probably was like a little bit of, I don't know, kind of like institutional arrogance. I don't mean that in a bad way at the beginning of the season of just like, this is what, you know, you just sort of, you roll out there. We have the preparation down because Notre Dame won 42 straight games against unranked opponents, I believe. Like it was just, it was automatic and it's easy to assume things that are automatic are going to keep happening because just because they happen to you. Um, and that's not how the world works. It's not how college football works in particular so again it's like is one performance a trend no um but for Notre Dame to sort of get back to being predictable on Saturdays it's a place they need to go this was a step toward that and if they're going to make the college football playoff next year or the year after that or the year after that um even when it goes to 12 teams whenever that is like you have to have confidence that for every unranked opponent you play, and as long as you're playing an ACC schedule, there's going to be a bunch of them, that those are going to be automatic wins, um, that you have the formula to turn that into a W every time. And like, it sounds like, I mean, certainly as reflective as Freeman is, and when I was asking about this post game, it's, you know, you sort of look back on like, okay, how did this week go? Like, what levers did I pull or buttons that I push that maybe were different or maybe I hit them in a different way? Um, I think that this was, there's probably a lot of good learning for him to have done this week about, okay, here's the formula that may work moving forward. I don't you know the sending the seniors out. Like, I guess it matters a little bit, but that doesn't carry that. You don't get 44 to nothing because you want to send out Jared Patterson and Houston Griffith and Isaiah Foskey uh, in a certain way. Um, Smash Lerner senior. I believe that he is. Uh, okay. You get 44 get to nothing because like, <laughs> You worked your ass off all week, um, and then you sort of rose above whatever the conditions were. Well, as whereas Boston College absolutely cratered, um, you know it's 
Mayer, 2,000 receiving yards. That was sort of a plateau he hit. Isaiah Foskey broke the sack record with 25. Um, so, I mean, a couple – the the I guess the Vegas connection there since they were in the split oh, yeah. video they sort of went out on a high note there. Uh, Marcus Freeman made a reference to like, hey, we, we'll see what Michael Mayer does next year. Like, there's nothing to see. Like, he'll be in the NFL. Um, you know, and Foskey will too. It'll be it'll be interesting to see like of the seniors who comes back. Um, Jason Adamalola didn't play today. Justin Adamalola did. Justin Adamalola talked during the week about maybe coming back for six years. The staff had invited him. He sort of did the the walk. Brandon Joseph, um, don't expect him uh, to return, but certainly a guy could. Cam Hart, DJ Brown. Um, you know, I mean, it, it's just sort of see among that group which ones will have, which ones actually will wrap it up today versus like we'll be convinced that actually coming back for a fifth or a sixth year makes sense. But um, it's certainly, you know, for how much Marcus Freeman has talked about the senior class and the foundation that it laid. Um, or reset or however you want to phrase it. Like they, they should feel good if they, if they were part of the, the team that sort of got the formula back together where you are automatic against lesser competition. Like that's not a bad way to go out on top of USC next week, um, which we've sort of talked about over the last few podcasts. I perhaps am more optimistic about Notre Dame's chances than you are, but you were more optimistic against Clemson. than I was like, I if I was Notre Dame, like I would feel very, very good about where I am as a program heading into that game, regardless of what USC does tonight against UCLA. Sir, I just watched Kirk Ferentz ice his own kicker on a game-winning field goal. So, like the sport never fails to amuse me in, in all sorts of like self-torturous ways. Um, Benjamin Morrison will be back. You didn't mention him, and th- that guy has been just every time we think we've run out of words to, to describe his play, he goes out and does what he did today and, and record multiple interceptions. That guy's been absolutely awesome. He's at least in my opinion, has completely changed, you know, the preseason forecast of hey, how's this secondary actually going to be without Kyle Hamilton? To, without Kyle Hamilton to like, oh wait, they've got a yeah, future, just not just not just a future star, like a present day star as yeah. a true freshman. Um, I'm curious, and, and this will obviously be, you know, a lot of podcast fodder in a couple of weeks when, when the games are over, but uh, you know, you mentioned the guys with options. Are they going to come back for a fifth year or sixth year? Uh, I'll be curious. We, you know, we spent so much time talking about up, oh, you know, when's Notre Dame, is Notre Dame finally going to go to the portal for, to, to strengthen their quarterback room? Are they going to go to the portal to, to get older at receiver? Uh, what, I mean, we're talking about a first-year head coach who, you know, has been largely successful, but but still very much a work in progress. And uh, guys uh, in a new era where they're they're probably being offered, you know, some pretty lofty sums elsewhere. Um, I'm curious, especially if you already have your degree in Notre Dame, you know, for some of these guys, is it a sure thing that is as simple as uh, NFL or Notre Dame, or do you go? Uh, take your talents right. elsewhere. And, I, and I, I'm not speaking to anyone specific when I say that. I just think college football in 2022, that's the reality of the situation. And that's something you need to kind of prepare and brace yourself for. And I'm sure the people, you know, working behind the scenes at Notre Dame are doing just that. But I, I just think, you know, we talk about walk or not walk on senior day and those kind of conversations. That's something that that needs to be taken into consideration. Uh, I don't know if you saw Navy today. They beat UCF on the road. Complete. I mean, that's a top ranked Group of five team that's completely changing the uh, the New Year Six picture quite possibly. Uh, and I wonder if um, I wonder if UCF will have a long 
talk about like should we be playing navy like i i don't know if we should continue this they're tradition. not they're going to the big 12 next exactly. year exactly <laughs> stole the punchline of the joke Fortuna. Uh, yeah no i did i did see that i saw fofana had like a 40 something yard run or you know and was kind of a beast to deal with up the middle like other people could deal with that because now it's like tulane is your likely so- group of five they play. They play Cincy next week. They're both ranked. Okay. There's a chance they could play each other again the following week in the AC yeah. title game. I would that's imagine if you're, if you're holding out hope for the Cotton Bowl for Notre Dame, you're holding out hope for a matchup against Tulane or Cincinnati at this point. Um, Cincinnati narrative. <laughs> there'll be a lot. There'll be a lot to write about with that. Um, on the bull front, there was there were reps from. The ReliaQuest Bowl, um, which is the old Outback Bowl, and also the Gator Bowl here today, and I think the Cheez-It Bowl as well. And I did go up which to che- one of which the... Which Cheez-It Bowl? <laughs> there are two the now. Orlando version of the Cheez-It <laughs> They're Bowl. They're both in Orlando. <laughs> oh, the, the former <laughs> Camping World Bowl Cheez-It Bowl. Um, okay. But I asked the Gator Bowl rep, like, can you explain to me who picks first among Cheez-It Bowl, Gator Bowl, Holiday Bowl? Can, can and I guess his response before... He said, "I don't know. I'll check." Um, okay, but then did the, get back. But then did oh. get back to me and said, "The order is, in fact, the Cheez-It Bowl first, the Gator Bowl second, and the Holiday Bowl third. Um, so, if you're looking for bowl projections, if Notre Dame ends up in the Holiday Bowl, that means they would have been passed over for it, um, which Notre Dame typically is not passed over for bowls. However, in this case, I could see the bowls coming to an agreement of like, hey, if you're the Gator Bowl, you want Florida State because they're just across the state. If you're the Cheez-It Bowl, you want North Carolina because it's an easy trip for that fan base, and then you can get Notre Dame at a later date. Um, but just some but uh, potential intrigue for the bowl selection because I, I, I could tell you in the press box, the voting is unanimous. Notre Dame would be heading to the Holiday Bowl. Um, that's, that's sort of where the vibe is around here. So I, I'm not surprised he said I didn't know. My, my predicted answer would be, I don't know. I'm just here for the free popcorn and free football game because I'm a bowl executive and my life is absolutely awesome. And everyone else in this business is suckers because this is the greatest job ever, uh, which is still every word I said is just true. Um, <laughs> but so I'm not surprised. Did he did not know. proactively share that. He did not. No. But when you see these guys at, at the Fiesta Frolic and some of the other offseason events uh, where they're essentially paid professional drinkers, it's. One, awesome, and two, frightening, because as attractive and fun as that seems, I don't know if my liver could hold up over that amount of time as you stuff your face with pizza and I talk about drinking a lot of beer. Um, (laughs) I don't know how we transition out of that one. Um, I did, you know, this was an earlier story, but I was thinking about it when you mentioned um, Notre Dame learning lessons the hard way as far as, you know, not institutional arrogance, but showing up and thinking you could just win because you're Notre Dame. And, uh, you know, our colleague Andy Staples had a, a column earlier this season, um, kind of in the, the heart of Oklahoma's struggles and was, hey, this is a program that has the second longest bowl streak in the country at 23 uh, straight years. Uh, it's a program that's won every major bowl game over the last 20 years. Like if you're talking about Blue Bloods over the last 20 years, they're probably the only one that hasn't had a down period of any any sort, you know, like Alabama was terrible before Saban got there, Michigan before Harbaugh, Notre Dame before Kelly, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and he basically wrote, especially for them, <clears throat> as they have a new coaching staff and eventually transition to SEC, like, you know, there, there's probably a level of complacency there that, that they became immune to 
because everything they've done for so long worked and this is the punch in the face they kind of need to self-examine and figure out where they need to go. Now, Notre Dame in 2022 is a much better play, at least the team is much better than 2022 Oklahoma. But 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 there are some shreds and threads of that uh, that situation that I think can be applied here when we're talking about a 36-year-old first-year head coach who, after all the talk about was this right and this and that, I mean, 10 wins is still on the table, and it's not out of the question they get it. Um, possibly yeah. with back-to-back – Big, big wins over really good Pac-12 teams, depending on how things shake up here. Now, I'm not saying they're going to win next week, but like the idea of them winning after beating Stanford or excuse me, after losing Stanford, after the second half of Navy last year, last week, um, like the idea of talking myself into them beating USC was close to non-existent. Um Maybe that changes with the way USC plays against UCLA. Maybe it doesn't, but I, I did say along this is a uh, while a very talented USC team, it's a very flawed kind of built on the fly roster um, that is very thin that just lost its star running back now and whose defense, you know, other than when they're forcing turnovers, which is obviously a big part of it, can be very vulnerable, uh, especially to the ground game, which Notre Dame specializes in. So I, I, I think there will be this has a chance, you know, independent of records, independent of everything else, this is a chance to be a really good um, kind of contrasting style of teams playing each other, possibly with the stakes at an all-time high for USC. We'll see. Well, at a, a recent all-time high, at least. Like it's, but, so, yeah, yeah, I'd be sorry. Yeah. As high as you can get in this, this season, I should say. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, top 15 game. It's been rare that both teams have been ranked in this game. Um, if you look at the history of the series, and I'd, I wonder if, you know, we, I haven't really talked about this a whole lot, but like if Notre Dame wins that game... Will Marcus Freeman had had the same November in year one that Brian Kelly did, where yeah. things felt like spiraling a little bit. Um, frankly, Notre Dame's would have Marcus Freeman's November would have been better than Brian Kelly's first November. But the, like, the, I mean, <sighs> Brian Kelly's first year though will be written in like yeah that there like, was just, some, it, it was just some such a, football yeah. material there to 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 work through, but um, just the fact that mid season you're like hmm. This may this doesn't look right. This doesn't feel right. Um, different set of circumstances all the way around. But for Freeman to sort of like steer the ship um, in the right direction with this November, it would be. I don't know. It, it has a chance to sort of. If they win next week at USC, Notre Dame, which lost to Marshall and Stanford, probably will open next year as what? Like, if they get a good grad grad transfer quarterback, it's like back half of the top ten. Top yeah, 15 at least. They'll be top 15. Top 10 will depend on who they get. And, yeah, you know, but it, this is like a hypothetical. I'm not saying this is going to happen. But, like, for the sake of argument, since we've talked about him on this podcast before, Devin Leary. Devin Leary was a preseason ACC player of the year who did not play all that well when he was healthy for NC State this year. And who Dave Doran and everyone in that building was going around telling everyone he's a Heisman candidate, he's the best player in the country, yada, yada, yada. Didn't live up to that one bit. Now, I feel terrible for the kid that he got hurt and his season ended, but he was not playing at an all-ACC level before he got hurt. So I, I think when we talk about preseason narratives, a lot of it revolves around who's hyping up their quarterback the most and and this and that. And, you know, is it – if it were Leary, like, does this year work 
for or against him in the hype department. I don't know. I mean, I think he's a good player. Probably could use a change of scenery. Uh, but certainly when you look at Notre Dame's recruiting class, when you look at the pedigree of this program, when you look at the way they look like they may finish this season, and look, they could just as easily go 8-5 and five and we're having the exact same questions that we right. had two weeks ago. Um, top 15, absolutely. Top 10, uh, we'll see. I mean, I'm not, I'll, I'll tell you this. I'll tell you one preseason top 10 team I will not put in the top 10 next year. Texas A&M. <laughs> Yeah, I, I enjoyed the images of their stadium uh, in the oh third quarter against UMass. Like, did you did you see no, the Sickos no. Committee video of the smoke machine with UMass? No. Oh, you got to watch that. UMass players were kneeling after running into running onto the field, like taking a knee in the end zone to pray, yeah. like every player does ever. And a couple of them, I guess, were inadvertently right in front of the smoke machine that goes off and fires off when A and M comes out, and they got drilled, and they were like discombobulated. It was. Par for the oh, course college for football. A&M. Never a dull moment. Never a dull moment at all. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code The Athletic, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a fifteen hundred dollar first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. I guess, you know, other takeaways from today, I'm not sure if there's there's a ton out there. Um, you know, we mentioned sort of the statistical records. I think you would could – you, could you guess who led Notre Dame in tackles today? This is great podcasting right here. <laughs> well, I'm not looking because you said yeah. that. Like, uh, I'll just say Maris Leofow. I know it's going to be Jaylen someone. Sneed. I, yeah, okay. I knew like when you presented it that way, I did not expect yeah, to get it right. Jalen Sneed with five. Uh, Aiden Kayona, I know, with three. Like, uh, it's, uh, I, I think that it's uh, kind of one he, of the – He tied with J.D. Bertrand. Yes, correct. To this. Okay. Um, yeah. But I think it's kind of one of the under – I haven't written about this a lot, but – the parts about this season that they've been able to sort of develop a little bit more of like kind of a vertical depth where they have Xavier Watts who played mm-hmm. great at Navy and actually had a sack today and came in for postgame media, I think for the first time ever, um, you know, they've been able to sort of develop guys in season, you know, Ben Morrison, obviously, for example, we already talked about, but um, the ability to sort of improve individuals during the course of the season, I feel like is kind of one of the, Un, maybe undersold stories of this year um and that it's another one of those things where like if you're another another name fan you kind of look at that and be like, okay that that gives me confidence that the staff knows what they're doing if you can improve guys during the season i think a lot of times we we think about like you improve from january 1 to august 1 and then you're just set and then you can improve again the next january 1 but 
they've had a lot of guys who have gotten better during the course of this year, and I think that's sort of been like, you know, Deion Colsey, for example. Right. Um, you know, not somebody we talked about at all in the preseason, I think because he wasn't somebody the staff was talking about in the preseason. But, um, you know, has, has been this sort of reliable third and long big catch radius guy. Um, so, you know, for, well, they haven't had everybody like take this huge step forward. Um, they've had guys get better in the course of the season. I think that's significant moving forward with the staff. Well, even like earlier this year, I feel like we were a little bit critical of the pass rush and how they weren't getting home to the passer despite the talent we saw on that line and despite um, how quickly they, they could beat their blockers. They entered today tied for 17 nationally with 29 sacks, and they added four to that today. And I know BC yeah. was starting like a JV offensive line, but it's, it's it, they're playing well, especially in a, a game with these conditions, regardless of opponent. They're doing the little things you need to do to leave no doubt and, and to have a dominant performance. And we saw that from them today. And again, I don't, yeah, drive home safely for those who made the trip, but like that was about as, as fulfilling. I don't want to say game because opponent does matter when you're talking about a game and Clemson was Clemson, but like senior day wise, like, you know, there, there's the narrative out there that, oh, they always, you know, and this is not specific Notre Dame, but they come out slow. They're a little emotionally stunted, yada, yada, yada. There was none of that today. It was, it was domination from start to finish in a way we, we have not seen. Um, <laughs> Since senior day last year. So, yeah, yeah. We haven't seen under Marcus Freeman. So, yeah, yeah. it was good. It's good for them to see that, to show that. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, to me, that's a big takeaway. It's not that, you know, senior day and Notre Dame and yada, yada. Like, it's the fact that this happened with Freeman as the head coach because this has not happened with him. Like, he's had a season where everything has been a first, just sort of that's what happens when you're a first-year head coach. But – this was the first of this, um, and this is a first that needs to be a second or a third and a fourth or the fifth next year. I mean, that's it's the reason Notre Dame had that 42-game win streak against unranked opponents. It's the reason they have a 28-game win streak against ACC opponents. It's the reason they have, what, a, is it 16, 17-game win, win streak in November? Um, so that kind of stuff, making Notre Dame a little bit more of a known quantity, again, I think is significant moving forward. Um, yeah, and... I don't, know, I don't know if you have anything else to add on this one, but... Um, looking forward to L.A. Looking forward to... We'll be recording early next week with Antonio Morales, our USC beat writer. Yep. Um, and uh, hopefully neither of us will pass a kidney stone like our friend Mark Lazarus did um, <laughs> while in L.A. a couple weeks ago with an Uber driver who asked if he knew Pete Sampson while driving to the I think it was an EMT, room. actually, not, not was an, an Uber driver. Oh. Yeah. No, it was a medical professional. Uh, uh, my, 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 we, how, are, we are a podcast how, of medical just, professionals. I was just going to say, how, how dare not contract I insult workers. our listenership as Uber drivers? Not that there's anything wrong with that. And no. not the... Uh, speaking of listenership and Shamrock Bumps, Clark Lee... Oh, well, got to give him a shout out before we wrap this up. Back to back SEC wins, very impressive. Let that let that be a record all up on cupping coaches. If you want, <laughs> if you want to turn our program around, come talk to Matt and I. Uh, and it's just it will be in the stars from that point. A, a dominant performance against uh, Florida. It's Florida, and they even had a, a long snapper touchdown, if I'm not mistaken. Which is yeah, they uh, were they were uh, the players were doing the mocking Gator chomp on the sideline during it as well. Um, all, all they got to do is beat Tennessee next week to go uh, bowling, which I'm not exactly holding my breath for, but. There's a first for everything, and uh, Clark Lee got his first two SEC wins. 
uh, in November. And uh, yeah, I mean, there, there are people, at least among last year's staff, who want to come on and never came on who are no longer at Notre Dame. Now, I'm not suggesting that's what's going to happen to you if you don't come on the Shamrock. But, you know, you, would you really want to risk that? That's up to you. I, so I bet we'll be getting a call from Brian Mason to come on the show next week. Um, forced you know, by he, Freeman. He, doesn't need, he does not need a Shamrock bump. There, there may be others on that staff who need it, but he's not one of them. No, definitely not. Well, yeah, we're going to be recording Monday night. Uh, our USC preview with Antonio Morales, our USC beat writer, will drop Tuesday. And then Matt and I will both be in L.A., for the season finale against USC. So we will have a in-person LA Coliseum podcast to record late Saturday night. Um, that will definitely swing the opinion of the season for Notre Dame one way or the other. That is, that is for damn certain. So until then he's Matt, I'm Pete. Thanks for being with us on the latest episode of the show.